to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining. College of Psychologists, a bunch of people put in power by the government basically, is threatening to take my dad's psychology license because he's been criticizing the government. This isn't a joke. This has been torturing my family since 2018, seriously bullying my dad in a way that really caused everyone in my family a lot of stress. I think it's part of what contributed to him being quite ill in 2019-2020. The colleges are in charge of doctors, massage therapists, dentists. They've been around since about the 60s, and it turns out, which I guess isn't that surprising, they've been infiltrated by the government, and now it looks like they're being used to control particularly conservative working professionals. Think you can trust your doctor to talk to you about anything that the government doesn't back? Definitely not, although we probably already knew that. This is kind of how colleges work in part. So this is how bad it is. He's getting investigated because of tweets he's tweeted, personal tweets, opinions, things he said on Joe Rogan. It's, it's such a scam too. They're requiring him to do media retraining that he pays $225 an hour for, for an unspecified amount of time. And then at the end of that training, they decide whether or not he's learned anything and whether he can continue being a psychologist. This isn't even a process that goes to court. It's just this regulatory board of like 12 tyrannical individuals. It's crazy that what you say online can be used to get rid of your license if people don't like you politically, which doesn't sound very democratic to me. They don't like his opinions, so they're trying to shut him down, but right now it's in a very real way. The tweets they've identified as problematic include the tweet about Elliot Page, dad's trying to protect kids from being sterilized, that's definitely not appropriate. The tweet about the obese woman on Sports Illustrated, again, obesity should not be celebrated, it kills people. And then tweets criticizing Justin Trudeau and another member of the Liberal Party, threatening to take your job as a serious threat. Anybody can submit a complaint about a psychologist or a doctor for that matter, anybody. Doesn't have to be a former client. So for dad, it's random people on Twitter complaining about him. Out of this audience of 20 million, he has 12 complaints. The college could throw these complaints out, but instead they're threatening him and have been for years, wasting his time, bullying him, and threatening to take his license. Maybe we'll do a podcast about it. I'm not entirely sure what to do here other than tell people about what's going on, but maybe complaining back at them is appropriate. You can go to the link, I'm gonna link it below, and you can enter in a complaint about the college itself and the people running it because they're bullying and harassing my family. 
So I don't know where the protection there is. Where's the protection against a tyrannical organization that's set in place to protect the government? This is basically the communist union at this point, picking on a professor for his opinions on Twitter against the government. It's absurd. If they end up managing to take his license, which will really be hard on my dad, you won't be able to trust your doctor, your lawyer, anybody in Canada if the government is just controlling all working professionals. God forbid you tweet out your opinion about the government. You might have your license taken away or be subject to their 1984 media retraining that you pay for. Oh my gosh. On their website, it says, anyone who has a concern about a psychologist or psychological associate can file a complaint or submit a report. This includes a client, a family member, or friend of the client, an employer, an insurer, a colleague, or a general member of the public, which is definitely great for celebrities because no one's gonna go after them randomly on Twitter. You can't just complain about the college. You actually have to complain about an individual. But look at here, it shows who's running this scam right on their website. According to this guy on Twitter, these are the people, you can see it right on their website, running this organization that's currently threatening my dad. Even Elon's responded to dad's tweet, which was really a tweet for help in all honesty because we're not sure what to do here. Obviously, he's not gonna be doing their media retraining, but this is pretty scary. I thought it was a good idea to make a video to tell you what's going on. It's a serious war out there. It's crazy and we could use some help here. He's tweeted out, the Ontario College of Psychologists has demanded that I submit myself to mandatory social media communication retraining with their experts, among other crimes, retreating Pierre Polyev and criticizing Justin Trudeau and his political allies. This is real. This is actually happening. I've been accused of harming people, although none of the complainants involved in the current action were clients of mine, past or present, or even acquainted with any of my clients. I'm to take a course of such training with reports documenting my progress or face an in-person tribunal and suspension of my right to operate as a licensed clinical psychologist. About a dozen people from all over the world submitted complaints about my public statements on Twitter and Rogan over a four year period out of the 15 million who follow me on social media, claiming that I had harmed, not those people, just harmed people with his views. And then here they are. You can go to College of Psychologists of Ontario. There's the council and the professional members. Feel free to submit complaints about them. Ridiculous. Guess we'll see if my dad continues to be a clinical psychologist. One of the things that um, people like you and I have to do is figure out, you know, where you draw the line. I mean, for me, I have nothing but forgiveness for people who got it wrong and who did what they thought was the right thing on the basis of bad information that they couldn't figure out was bad. I right? have the same perspective. On the other hand, if you went after people who were so-called vaccine hesitant, if you went after them, if you demonized them, if you said they weren't entitled to medical services, if you said it wasn't a tragedy if they died, if you said that kind of stuff, and now you're one of the huge majority of people who has not gotten their bivalent booster and you're not getting it because there's something nagging at you because you're now vaccine hesitant, right? And the answer is own up to it. 
you don't get to keep pretending that you were right to demonize us. No. You have switched sides. You've done so on the basis that the evidence has persuaded you that something is not right. And the answer is, look, you're not going to get punished by us if you come out now and you say, actually, I had it wrong. But don't you dare keep coming after us and then hide this fact that you've become hesitant and you don't know how to file that in your own mind. So that's kind of where I, I draw the line. If you, you know, we have to get along with each other. We yeah. have to figure out how to do that again. And most people didn't do anything wrong. I'm not drawing that line. And the reason why I'm not drawing that line is because I feel like we have to be charitable and forgiving. And this is the only way we come to unity after this. And I don't want to demonize people who demonized me. I don't want to be angry at people that called me an anti-vaxxer or, listen, man, I had Dr. Peter Hotez on early. I had um, Michael Osterholm on early, and I had him on again. I mean, I had all these people on early, and I the Osterholm podcast freaked so many people out. I did it the very early days of the pandemic, before there was a vaccine, and Osterholm was painting a picture that was absolutely fucking terrifying, and it terrified me, and it made me want to get vaccinated. It made a lot of people like looking forward to that vaccine. And when you have this narrative in your mind and then you see people that are somehow or another the enemy of that narrative in your mind or a problem in that they're going to cause more problems for you and for other people and for vulnerable people, it, even logically it didn't make sense because the vaccine did stop the virus in its tracks. Why would you be angry at people that don't take it because they're just going to be vulnerable? Why would you why would you be angry? You should be sad. You should be trying to convince them like the, the only way to convince them that works is with love and understanding and to, to talk to, to communicate with them in a way that's going to reach them. If you call people an idiot and a fool or a monster or, or, or demonize them and say laugh when they die. I mean, there was this woman who's a famous food writer who uh, demonized people and she did it in a way where she was saying that the only good side was that the people that were dying were all these anti-vaxxers and that somehow or another that was good that these people that didn't trust the pharmaceutical companies the companies that have had more criminal punishments more more fines for criminal behavior than virtually any industry that's ever existed more lying about the adverse effects and the adverse reactions that people possibly could have or were going to have about these these drugs that they pushed where you have internal memos where they describe like in terms of Vioxx they describe these potential bad side effects that are going to happen but also say but we will do well with these mm. we have those we we have we have that evidence. Yep. So these people that got duped, I have nothing but love for them. And I think the only way we're going to get out of this is if we forgive them. And people are so hesitant to do that and they're like fuck them, fuck this, fuck that. You can't you can't have a society with fuck them because right. we are them. They are thus I could have been one of them. 
If I wasn't doing this fucking podcast, okay, if I was just a, a regular comedian and I that's what I did for a living and I didn't pay much attention to alternative media and podcasts that were discussing this and people like Peter, Peter McCullough or Robert Malone or all these people that were sounding the alarm, if I was one of those people that didn't have the access to these kind of conversations, I would not have a nuanced perspective. And if I had gotten vaccinated and other people didn't, I would be like, fuck those people. I would be just like people I know who I used to be friends with who now hate me and are angry at me and talk shit about me online. And I forgive them because I would have been like them if I didn't have the access to the kind of conversations that I've had, if I didn't have the kind of mindset that I have, that, that my personality that is just immune to bullshit when bullshit hits me, I go, oh, I know what this is. I grew up without a dad, okay? I don't uh, trust people. I, I, I think there's a lot of bullshit in the world. You know, I've had people try to do things to me. I've been in dangerous situations. I know people can be sketchy. There's sketchy fucking people out there in the world. And the people that haven't experienced that and don't have that, that perspective, I can understand why they formed the conclusions that they did because I could have been them. I 100% could have been them. The only way that we can help each other is for people like you and people like me and other people that have had these other perspectives, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, these people that have been demonized, to forgive people. And if we don't do that, we, we just continue these ideological tribes that battle each other on, and move the goalposts. Because we saw the goalposts get moved when it turned out that, well, COVID doesn't, or the, the vaccines don't stop transmission. They don't stop infection. They don't stop you from getting sick. We saw that happen, and then we saw the narrative change. We knew that. We knew that it was just going to prevent you from serious illness. Well, why were you mad at me when I didn't get seriously ill? Why were people mad at me? Like, what, what? Because I didn't do what they did. And they thought they did the right thing, and I didn't do the right thing, and I'm some crazy kook who believes in the flat earth and fucking chemtrails or whatever the fuck you want to attribute to it. And that's the reason why. And I'm promoting dangerous misinformation that actually turns out to be true. <laughs> that's, that's what's so crazy about all this. I totally agree. Now, let's, let's sort this out. I'm arguing that we should be forgiving of people who made this error naturally, which is almost everybody. What I'm arguing is beyond that line for me, where I'm not ready to forgive, is if they are continuing to do it. The only way they're going to stop is if we don't fight it. We just like, you, I, I feel like you have to present the information that seems to be true and valid. And I understand why people came to incorrect conclusions, why they have uncharitable perspectives about people that did not get vaccinated. I understand them. The, but I, I can't hate them. Because I could have been them. Oh, I'm not. I'm not arguing to hate anybody. But even if they're doing it right now, like that lady just tweeted that right now. Sean Penn recently said that he thinks that uh, unvaccinated people should have been jailed. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't hate him. I, he shouldn't be this uh, speaking on this, right? He's he's just, he's just famous. Because he's famous, his his words carry weight. He could have been a guy at a bar that you know works for some fucking trucking company or something. And he has this perspective. Well, we should fucking jail him. But it doesn't mean he's informed, right? It just means he's talking. And because he's talking and he says something that turns out to be incorrect and he happens to be famous, then it becomes broadcast everywhere. I forgive him too. I forgive all these people with these wrong perspectives because that's the only way we get out of this. 
And if we don't do that, then we head into further and further polarization. And this is what I'm scared of. What I'm scared of is that people dig their fucking heels in and just decide that all these people that didn't get vaccinated are all a bunch of MAGA-supporting, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, transphobic assholes, and we, we hate assholes. They did it out of hate. And that's what that lady's saying. She's like hook, line, and sinker. They did it out of hate, which is crazy to say, especially if you might have known someone who had an adverse effect early on, which I did. I knew a few people that got really wrecked early on. Friends of mine, comedians. I know people that are in their 30s that have pacemakers now. I know people that have had adverse effects. There was a recent poll that suggested that 28% of Americans know someone who died from the vaccine. That's purely anecdotal. Now, do we know that that person actually died of the vaccine? We don't. There's, a, there's, there's some evidence that people have absolutely had an adverse event that happened because of the vaccine, particularly young children who all of a sudden got myocarditis or heart attacks and strokes and died. There's a very reasonable connection that you can make to this young, very healthy athlete who gets a COVID vaccine and then immediately has a heart attack and dies. Hey, this might be the cause. Is there a mechanism that shows that the vaccine under rare conditions can cause that in people? Turns out, yes. Right. So I understand where all these people came from. And I really feel this very strongly. The only way we get out of this is all the people that were demonized and all the people that were called kooks and just continue to be kind and, and generous and charitable and say, I get it. I get why you formed those opinions. I get why you were mad. I get why you followed this narrative and I get why you dug your heels in and I clearly get why you use social media to project this to comfort yourself that you're on the right side of history, you're in the right group of people, and to also punish those people who didn't do what you did to reinforce your opinion in yourself that you did the right thing. Well, I agree with you. I'm 90% of the way there. I'm not arguing that the people who are still doing this are unforgivable. What I'm arguing is that the vast majority of people who have woken up to some degree to what has happened that those people are ready to be forgiven and that those people who are still doing this need to discover that they are being uh, left behind by all of those who have woken up and recognized something wrong happened and we need to figure out what it is. Um, I want good men of the world to be protecting these women, but because there aren't enough out here, I have to be out here. I agree. Yeah. I, w but I, what, are, what, are, what are men gonna do? Well, well, or maybe I I'm think, wrong. I don't know. This is like a question that I haven't fully thought yeah, through. It's a good the, question. The, the men in this room are the men who call out Epstein. Okay. And, and Luke, of course, longer than I think the rest of yeah, us. Yeah, shout obviously. out to Luke. Oh, I didn't sure. know about your, all your hard work before I yeah. came last time. I remember I didn't know. And now I know. And I appreciate that. It, it was furious seeing VH1 promote Epstein and everyone in the alternative media screaming about it. And it wasn't just Jones. It was a lot of other people, a lot of independent journalists, including also the Miami Herald. Shouts out to mm -hmm. them. They were one of the few Mike organizations Cernovich. out there. Mm -hmm. Mike Cernovich and the Daily Mail, surprisingly, 
one of the few organizations that that first started to actually talk about this in a very serious way. But yeah. first, it was independent media and, before anyone else. Yeah. I just want to say I, I was ragging on the Daily Mail earlier hmm. because they're obsessed with Meghan Markle and Prince. Uh, was it Harry or whatever? But equally, they would not shut up about Prince Andrew during yep. the Epstein stuff. And I'm like, that I like. So here's, here's my point about the men. It, yeah. it, if you look at the polls, uh, uh, the polling, Vox found that like 45% of millennial men vote Democrat. And then like 55%, just shy of 55, 55 vote Republican. Whereas for women, it's about 70% Democrat and like 28% Republican. Because there's like some, you know, like Green Party stuff in there. I, I think you have half of these guys who are weakened, effeminate, bottom of the bell curve guys who will not stand up, defend the people they love and care about. They will not be masculine. But I, I must admit, as much as I have disdain for these guys, I have more disdain for the system that tells them masculinity is bad and, and to, to be ashamed of being masculine. And that's that's one of the one of the things we see here. So. It's Phil, interesting. Phil Abate just hit me with a good Twitter comment. He said, legal and local. Legal, legal. and local. What is it? Elaborate. In terms that's of dating? Yeah. Uh, that's the solution. Legal and local. That's what I hope that's what he was referencing <laughs> to. Otherwise, I'm putting words in his mouth. I, I, think, I think one of the reasons that people don't want to believe yeah. anything about Andrew Tate yeah. is because this message of opposing the machine plays into a larger picture of the machine is telling men not to be masculine which in turn is resulting in men not protecting women and children. And the machine is telling, is advocating for hardcore degeneracy. And so I think for a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to accuse or, or, or defend Andrew Tate, but I, but I think what I see from a lot of people in the chat when they're split on this is, yeah. if this guy at the very least is saying, exercise, work out, be strong, be tough, and break from the machine, the end result of that puts a stop to a lot of this, whatever it is he's accused of doing, you know what I mean? Sure. I, and, so, and, and, and um, so Ghislaine did a lot of nice things too. She was at a. I mean, you. So that's, abusers, that's what I mean, abusers like a serial killer isn't a serial killer like twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. So I'm not saying that some of the things. Yeah, yeah, you should uh, work out and eat right. No, no, no. You should I, break free from the machine, and you should. Um, you know, I'm not saying every man has to be a masculine man because that's not a thing that I believe, but. I mean, yes, you should work out and eat right. You should break free from the machine. You should break free from the matrix or whatever. You should be red pill, white pill, past all that, mm -hmm. you know. But um, you should also not abuse people. I think a lot of the problem is a consequence of what Luke was saying about the family structure being destroyed. And a lot of people today, a lot of men today, don't have father figures, and they're raised with the government being their parent, the colleges <sighs> being their parents. Uh, they're if they have a stay-at-home mom or dad, that that parent is out all the time. So they're kind of being raised by. I think mostly bad people. But also uh, when you're not I, strong, when you don't have a family unit, you're vulnerable. And exactly. the predator class, which is made up of a lot of psychopathic politicians and billionaires yeah. out there, preys on a lot of individuals who can't defend themselves, who are not strong enough to do so. Mm -hmm. Or if they are victimized, they're not going to be able to go to anybody because they have no family member in order to protect them or right. even report that they're missing. Yep. So, I do get what, you, what you're saying though, Tim. It's, okay, sorry. Tim. Oh no, I, I want to pull up this story. Okay. This is from the New York Times. This is from about a year and a half ago. Yeah. As a woman was raped, train riders mm. failed to intervene, police mm. say. And this was just the first story I was able to pull up. About f five years ago now, I think it was five years ago, I did a video on my main channel, men are refusing to help women and children. It got millions of views. And it was just like this 15 minute thing of me talking about it. There were a handful of stories. One, a woman was on a train 
and some guy started getting in her face, schmoozing on her and being really aggressive and no man would intervene. And then she was really angry and she was like, why wouldn't any man stand up for me? Well, there's a lot of reasons why they won't do it. Another story I read years ago, this may be like 10 years ago now at this point, a guy was in a store and he, there, was a, there was a journalist who was in a store, saw a child crying with no parent, seemingly lost. Yeah. And, they, and she said, I saw a man walk up, walk towards this kid, looking at the kid, concerned, then stopped, looked around, turned around and walked away. They ran up to the child, like this person, and got a security guard to help the person. And then the reporter said, she then ran to the man and asked him why he turned around and didn't help the kid. And the man said, because I would be accused of having kidnapped that kid and I don't want to be involved. That is a crazy prospect that we have this story from Philadelphia where a woman was being raped on the train in front of people. And what did they do? Most of them just said, leave me alone. Some of them started filming. No one did anything. Mm. There's a lot of reasons why men are outright refusing to help women. One, I think some men have disdain for, for modernity, that we, we're in this era of toxic, masculinity is toxic, toxic, women can do whatever they want and you know without, without consequence, that's how they feel, I'm not saying it's true. And so you'll get a guy who's probably watching him and be like, screw him, I don't care, not my problem. Whereas there is an inverted, there, I was just watching um, the imitation game about Alan Turing and uh, it's it's so it's such a BS because he didn't he didn't crack Enigma. I was reading up on it. It was like some Polish guy actually who did, but he built the machine. But anyway, they he's trying to recruit this woman, and she's like, it would be indecorous of me to come and work for His Majesty because it would be around men. And so then he's like, you can work and be in the women's dorms. And then he can't go to her place because he's a man. That's the alternative, right? A society where the men and women are separated. When the men are overprotective, you get that. When the men feel like they're not allowed to protect women and children, they'll be punished, imprisoned, or insulted for being masculine. You get the inverse. Is there a happy medium? Or uh, what do you guys feel about this? I'll just I'll just say, like, someone super chatted, we're not allowed to protect women and children anymore, so why would we? And I'm like, mm-hmm. what can I say to that? Yep. And your cops don't even protect you. Like if, they do if, Baldi. If, I'll tell you this. If, so, if, so, well, if maybe, this woman's being maybe raped... Women, maybe um, women have given off an impression that we don't want to be protected or loved or looked after maybe that's the problem and maybe it should be up to each woman what is the best for her i think that's important but like i've come out and said it like i want to be protected i want to be loved i don't want to be out here doing this alone i don't want to be fighting these demons and ghouls alone like it sucks i'm scared i actually am scared i'm scared i'm gonna get killed I think a lot of people have a problem facing that darkness and they choose to just turn away. I think a lot of uh, our society has promoted like widespread nihilism I've had a lot of fathers, yeah, tell me they can't look. They can't look at what I'm thinking about, what I'm talking about, what I'm posting. But I I, I don't want to, you struck something in me, Tim, and I don't want to forget it. I I do understand why people are very skeptical of these stories. You should be a little, but not to the point where you harass survivors. What can I do as a survivor, as a public survivor and as an advocate to at least maybe convey the story better? I don't know what I can do to make people believe. People don't believe my story. <laughs> they, they, they Evidence. Don't. Yeah. Just getting. But what evidence am, are, are survivors supposed to bring? Because it's like we bring evidence and it's always not enough. Well, you know, so, it's never enough. It's like always something. Well, look, look at, look at uh, Amber Heard. Okay. She she writes this op-ed where she, it's vague, 
And, you know, she has this narrative that Johnny Depp is the bad guy. And then the full story kind of comes out and it's like, well, they're both kind of ish heads to each other, but she was definitely being abusive towards him. And so what happens is you have this longstanding, it's been a decade or longer, the, you know, believe all women. And our, our legal systems built upon innocent until proven guilty and the right to confront your accusers. Yes. So immediately people take issue with anonymous accusations without evidence. I mean, that's especially with Julian Assange being falsely accused. That that pissed off a lot of people, especially the anti-war movement, because then they dropped it and it was fake to begin with. And they used it as an excuse to lock this guy up for a decade and prevent him from doing his work. Yeah, Assange was accused of rape. A lot of people don't know this. No, then, no, no. He wasn't he was. even accused of rape. Yeah. It was like it, it, was, it was. It was. But that's what the corporate the media ran with. Exactly. The corporate media yeah. ran with, with Julian Assange, rapist. You know that that was a huge story. That of course uh, allowed wow. the general public to be like, yeah, he's guilty. Yeah, maybe he should be in jail. And then they put him up in solitary. If they have to run away. If if this story about the train in 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 the New York Times, here's the problem. If a guy on that train grabbed the man who was raping that woman and stopped him, then he would probably get arrested and charged. Yeah, he would. Yeah. He would. But I think what's important is that we're having this conversation, right? And and, and I, I actually, right? I have it's a question a for the audience that's, um, I got a question. If, uh, let's try and figure out how I, can, how I can phrase this for you guys. Put a one in the chat. If, if you would attack the rapist to stop him knowing you would get locked up in jail, and put a two in chat if you would not want to risk your freedom and life for a random woman. Did that work? Did that, did, did that make sense? Yeah, I think that's a good question, actually. I, I think the truly masculine, the real masculine, mm -hmm. is a man saying, let them, let them come. I'm not letting this man hurt this woman. That's, that's in line with the come and take it. You will try to aggress upon me. You will try to infringe upon my rights, but I will stand firm on what I know to be true. But there's going to be a lot of people who are maybe more cynical, and I don't even mean this in a disrespectful way, because I can understand it, where they're like, dude, if they if, if they want to keep advocating for this and voting for it, if 70% of millennial women keep want to voting, be, be mm. voting for these policies, why would I go to jail for them when they asked for it? And I mean like ask for the policies, not obviously to be attacked. Mm. So one of my rules is that uh, I'm not, so sometimes- Yo, it's split in the chat. It's ones and twos. It's sometimes I want to, uh, so it's difficult as a human to hear some of these stories, especially about children, and not want to seek vigilante justice. So I understand those who do, but I am of no use if I'm in prison or jail because I decided to go out on a freaking LARP and do things the, you know, whatever way. But so it's like you're, you're, you're on a train and a guy grabs a woman and throws her down. Yeah. And he's on the train raping her. And, and there is people saying like, if I intervene, not only will I get hurt, but I'll get arrested. I'm not doing it. That's crazy to me. It like, I, maybe I'm wrong. I've never seen a sexual. I mean, I, I don't. Well, let me make sure I'm not. Uh, I don't think I've ever. I've never been in that situation, so it's really difficult to know what you would do. I mean, does this gentleman have a, a knife? Does he yep. have a gun? Like, is he? Whack? I mean, what are we talking? You know. This is why I'm an anarchist because <laughs> number one, <laughs> you the, see how Vicky the, the, smiled the, when he said that. <laughs> and look, this look, is I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. This is an argument to be made here. It's not yeah. a perfect argument, but the police are slow to respond. Right. This happened in Philadelphia where people can't defend themselves. If a woman was able to have a gun and be able to defend herself, 
these larger sexual assault crimes, these larger rapes wouldn't be happening as much as they are happening, mainly because a lot of women are left defenseless. And the one way to have this equalizer is to allow people to be able to defend themselves, which is illegal in places like Pennsylvania, which is absolutely crazy. But um, again, there's been so many instances of police officers watching people getting stabbed, getting hurt, and just not doing anything, not responding. So I, I just want to I want to add too, uh, in terms of the chat and the super chats, the debate. Yeah. The people who disagree with you, but other people who are making other points, I, I'm really digging this. Like, everybody who's commenting saying, you're wrong, I disagree. Everybody who's commenting saying, I can't believe people wouldn't help her. Everybody who's saying, like, you know, how could you if the machine is going to come against you and this is what they're voting on? That like I think the discussion absolutely is just is just fantastic. So, but it's good. It's good that we're having these conversations. Uh, talking about it is better than. And also, one of the things that I love is when you think through these situations before you're actually in one, because these are all things that could happen to you in real life. This I is know. not a movie. This is not a test. So we, you should be thinking through in advance what you would do. Uh, and to much to what. Um, Luke was just saying, I am a fully armed survivor of human trafficking. No two ways way about it. Yep. No, no, no discussion. Yeah, absolutely. So, no, more and guns. I encourage, pardon, no, we're not going to talk about all that. But uh, <laughs> More personal liberty and more ability yes. for pe- human beings to be able to defend themselves equally against criminals it, who will always have firearms and weapons. It took me a while to get there. I had a conversation with Maj Trey because I was always very scared of guns. And, Maj is great. Oh, yeah, he's, he's great, isn't he? Um, and I had a conversation with Maz Trey, and my mom and I went, and we got uh, geared up for her 60th birthday, so it was really fun. But um, and now I feel very empowered, and um, and I feel ready. I just don't want to be abused again or any have anything happen. And I feel like that's the only great equalizer. In my if, case. And, and training, don't forget to train. No, no, you no. Have to train I, that's part of it lot, too. You know. Yeah, that's part of it too. You know what? You know what the, the, the terrifying reality I think is. The people in these cities like Philadelphia would prefer more rape victims and less dead rapists. And there's an interesting idea there. I don't want anyone dead. But think about, I was thinking about this in in terms of guns. If this woman on the train had a gun, even like a Derringer with like a, you know, 22 in it or something, this guy would have gotten off her real fast and, and he'd probably survive. But there's a reality that one, a woman should be able to protect herself if a man is trying to to take her. She can, She should. I believe she should be allowed to use whatever force necessary to protect herself from that man. But this would mean that man dies. Now the left's argument, you see it all the time. There was like uh, I can't remember the story, but there's, there's been a bunch of them where a guy was like breaking into someone's house and he got shot and killed, and they go, "You didn't have to kill him. You know, you could have let him victimize you." And then it's just like, why is it incumbent upon the victim to assume they're going to survive the attack instead of using whatever force they can to try and survive the attack? So, so the, the, the logic of the left on this tends to be they would rather the, the, the rape victim get raped and survive because it means both people live than the woman not get raped but then kill somebody. You see what I mean? Like, that, that's their logic. Okay. There was, there was a guy like robbed a liquor store. And then he got shot and killed. And they were like, but you didn't have to kill him. You didn't have to kill him. And the guy's like, he came in with a gun to my liquor store. I thought I was going to die. No, he was just robbing you. He was just robbing you. This is the sad reality. I don't don't want anybody to die. Yeah, you don't know until you're in that situation. And if it's a life or death situation. And it could be. And it very well could be. You don't know what level of insanity you're dealing with. I don't want to live in a world where it's the victim's fault or responsibility for having been attacked. 
I think if you are being victimized, you have a right to defend yourself with yeah. whatever force you have available to you. And I think you have a right to keep in bare arms. That means in this circumstance, that rapist would have died. And that, and that I got I to be honest, I don't like this guy. Or had his nuts shut off. For sure, he, yeah. or seriously injured. I don't want him injured. Look, <laughs> I want him stopped. Yep. And if the only way to stop him, because, because women have less muscle mass, less bone density, is to be armed, and that means this guy gets shot, I would rather the woman not be raped and this guy gets stopped. But it is, it is horrifying to be like, there's an end result where someone gets hurt. Well, you know what? Don't attack people because it, it is your fault. My view is if you're a rapist who attacks a woman and then you get shot, you should be criminally responsible for that bullet to yourself because you initiated the aggression. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to episode 116 of the Easy Peasy Podcast. That was quite an intro, right? If you're still listening, I assume that you're maybe wondering what it all has to do with each other. You know, I don't usually do sort of current event type stuff, but I am interested in the common vibration and where things are headed and where things came from, where we're at. And it seems to me that we're at a precipice. You know, that, that point where you're right at the top of the roller coaster, all the momentum is built, all that potential energy, and there's a shift. You know, a moment between going up and coming down. And I kind of think we're there. You know, I shared these clips from various sources. Um, basically, to show that we are living in a time of accepted atrocity. You know, atrocity has been normalized. Things that should churn your stomach, we, we usually choose to ignore. You know, the bystander effect. And it's fucking shameful. You know, it's shameful that Jordan Peterson is being forced into a re-education program or lose his license. Like, that is insane. Right? I get it. He's been a little bit charged. You know, so have I. He said things on, on the surface that seem... Debatable, but if you boil down the core of his message, it's always been positive. You know, I saw a few of his clips where he, you know, kind of just was going off his rocker. But then again, I put some clips out like that too. You know, God bless Jordan Peterson. He's at least trying to get to the heart of the matter and 
to be criminalized almost, not quite, but almost, to be threatened for speaking in opposition, you know, of being critical of the machine, being critical of his government and the actions they've taken and the things that, you know, they're promoting. Canada is just batshit crazy right now, y'all. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he is still up there fighting that fight in some ways, but good for him. You know, whether or not he even still practices clinical psychology, I don't know. Or psychiatry, I'm not sure. But I don't know if he's still practicing, but it's on it's the principle of the matter of of being threatened to lose his license simply for being a counter perspective, a dissenting opinion. You know, the the it, the crime of wrong think, right? They're trying to make an example out of him, right? Kind of like Brett Weinstein, who was on the Joe Rogan clip. You know, they tried to make an example of him too. You know, and I think the thing that those two guys share, Brett Weinstein and Jordan Peterson, is a refusal to become the victim. Right? Which I respect. And that's part of the central core of what ties these three separate clips together. You know, it's sort of the refusal to be a victim and a willingness to act, to do what's right even when it's difficult. You know, part of me was getting a little annoyed with, with Joe Rogan because it's like he's saying he has no hard feelings while listing off all the things that were just so atrocious that were done to him and done to all of us, right? The entire world was victimized by the authoritarian elite over the last few years and beyond. And Joe, you know, God bless Joe Rogan. Now, without his voice, it's kind of hard to say where we'd be without his show. You know, perhaps someone else would have filled that role, but it's incredible. You know, I don't think he's right all the time, though. And partly I think he's too charitable here. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he's right, right? Maybe we should just, you know, move on and forgive. But in my mind, there has to be at least an, you know, an acknowledgement before there's any kind of atonement because of the gravity of what's been done. Right? A lot of people still kind of refuse to believe that this whole thing was a fucking disaster. And that a lot of people got hurt unnecessarily. People ignore it. 
People try not to watch as somebody is raped right in front of them. It's terrible. You know, I I can't say that I'm better than, though, because I've had moments in my life where I've been utterly ashamed of my lack of courage, my lack of action. You know, I've... I've thought back many times to a, a moment where I was at this bar outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. Me and a friend were on a road trip. We were visiting a, a friend of mine from a job I had had. You know, a sweet, sweet girl with cool friends. And, you know, we all went out on the town. And I remember at one point, her and her boyfriend, right? my friend from a few years before you know, I see her and her boyfriend kind of in a fight and she looks upset and I don't know what's going on and my first instinct was to go over there and check on her and tell her boyfriend to quit being such an asshole because that's what it, it looked like he was being an asshole but I kind of figured, well, I'm new here. I'm not from here. I don't know their situation. I don't know their relationship. I don't know nothing about it. It's not my business. So I watched, right? And he didn't hit her or nothing, but I think at some point she kind of stormed off to the bathroom. And I didn't pretend to like the guy after this. You know, it's like I didn't. I didn't act as if nothing had happened. But I was I was a bit ashamed of myself for not stepping into the situation. Of course, in hindsight, who's to say, you know, what was right and what was wrong? But part of me wishes I had had the courage to go with my first instinct, and I took it as a lesson. You know, this was probably seven or nine years ago by now. You know, there was another time I got I got back to Indianapolis on a flight, you know, kind of a late night flight from some job I was doing, you know, I think down in Texas, and I I was waiting for my baggage, and all of a sudden there was a little commotion where uh, there was a guy yelling, you know, "Those are my bags! Those are my bags! Where the fuck are you going? Those are mine!" And these two people were making away. You know, like they were they were hauling ass towards the door. He, you know, this other guy chased him down. Everybody's just looking like dumbfounded, like frozen, including myself, deer in the headlights. You know, and the guy managed to wrestle the bags out of these people's hands and they kind of turned and tucked tail and, you know, made their escape. But everybody kind of stood around like, holy shit, like, did that just happen? And I walked up to the dude. I was like, bro, you you okay? He was a guy about my age, you know, black guy. Like, And they were nice-looking bags, right? Looked like uh, hard cases for, you know, some kind of maybe photography equipment or something. Like, nice shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's like, yeah, man, that was just, you know, that was fucking crazy. Like, those motherfuckers were trying to steal my shit. I'm like, that's fucked up, man. And, uh, you know, so I, whatever, I, I kind of like 
didn't know what to do at this point, but I figured, you know, somebody ought to go alert security. So I, I went to the security desk. I said, Hey, you know, there are these two people that just tried to steal some luggage. Looks like they kind of, you know, have done this before and they might still be sitting out there. You know, they looked like this and that, right? Old lady, younger guy, they were dressed such and such, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, you know, the security guard kind of was like, okay, thanks for the information. Like, mm-hmm. kind of didn't even give a fuck. But point is, like, I'm glad I at least did something there. I'm glad I didn't, you know, everybody else was just like, though, you know? And I think that's kind of what's happened with COVID. The majority of people just like froze up. Deer in the headlights. While some of us, you know, after some time and some thought and some research and some discussion, some of us started to speak up and say, yo, 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 some of this shit is fucked up. People are going to get hurt. Lives will be ruined and lost unnecessarily based on these dictates these restrictions these mandates these demands these fucking ultimatums damage will be done you know we tried to say we tried to sound the alarm you know in advance but a lot of people stood around with their you know hands clasped trying to just you know hope for the best and and a total lack of Agency overtook the majority of people. And those of us that spoke often were ridiculed and ignored. Because if what we said was true, then it would be a great atrocity. Maybe one of the greatest. Right up there with the, you know, H-bomb. Or the Holocaust. Different types of atrocities, but of the same caliber and scope. And yet we, going into 2023, we are, you know, told we should just forgive. We should just move on. We should just, you know... Act as if it didn't happen. As if the authorities were at least doing their their darndest. You know, they were just trying. Any mistakes were just honest to goodness. You know, no harm, no foul. We didn't know no better. Golly gee whiz. I say fuck that, man. That's not an acceptable conclusion. This shit ain't even over. You know, like I said, we're still on the ride. I think we're right at the precipice. And I don't know what kind of loop-de-loops and corkscrews and fucking twisters we're going to go through here, but it's not going to be comfortable. And I do think we need to come together. I do think we need to forgive those that, you know, in our personal lives might have harmed us in some way. 
you know, we need to, we need to come to an understanding so that we won't let this happen again. But that's, that's, that's fucking the point. Okay. It's not like I'm saying we meet in the middle. Mm-mm. Nope. The time for that is over. Okay. Y'all need to come a little over to this here freedom side. Of course, I'm not talking to you. I'm speaking in hypotheticals. I'm not talking to the listener. I'm talking to our culture. They need to come to us. Right? If anybody has the right to dig their heels in, at this point, it's us. Because they've taken... A stupid amount of ground over the last few years and we're standing over here this small courageous group who refused and slowly but surely people are trickling over and seeing what's what and seeing that this shit cannot stand You know, that whole story about the person getting raped on the subway, it's, it's tragic. But I just can see how it happens in our culture. Because the truth is, we are weak. We are fearful. And we lack the agency to do what's right, even when we know. And I think it falls on the men. I do. I do. That's never been the job of ladies to commit violence. Not not for our species, not for our you know human race. That's the men's job. You know, the women they need our protection and we're failing. But part of the part of the responsibility falls on the ladies you know we've all been duped right we've all been brainwashed this is what i discussed the last couple episodes so i don't hold it against anybody per se but the ladies have had this attitude of not needing men and therefore men have felt unneeded and that's a that's a dangerous cycle and I think we do have a loss of generational knowledge when it comes to the need for protection and use of force. Okay? We've lived comfortably, too comfortably, many of us. Some don't have the luxury. Some live in a place where violence is a total ongoing reality. But that's only becoming a reality for some who have for generations now been relatively isolated. I'm not saying that violence is inevitable, but I'm saying we need to be prepared for it, right? Something I liked that was said in, in that Timcast clip, the, the last clip, the longest one. You know, the gal, I can't remember her name, but she said, um, oh, what'd she say? Oh, like, we need to prepare mentally for this kind of stuff. At least one of them said that, right? Like, part of the reason people don't act is because they've never considered the possibility of something like this happening right in front of them. 
but these kind of things do happen and they seem to be happening more so we need to be prepared the men in particular we need to be mentally prepared as well as physically prepared to be protectors in the moment whenever it happens to be time right i carry my gun everywhere at this point though i hope i never have to use it but now i'm taking very seriously the mental preparation of if i do you know i will i will be swift i will be decisive i will know in the moment what is right because i've i've got that morality it's a matter of shedding that hesitation that deer in the headlights effect that we are plagued by currently i know we are because this is shit we haven't had to deal with so learning not to hesitate learning to be prepared for this shit i think is super super critical we can't let these atrocities be normal it's terrible we should know when we see an atrocity it's time for us to do something about it how shameful those people must feel who witnessed that woman get raped and stood by doing nothing maybe filming it how shameful they must feel let's not be those people let's not stand by and watch our fucking entire culture collapse without at least trying to build something better in its rubble right standing by and just letting it letting it happen and doing nothing about it that's not that's not right it's not courageous and i think a big part of why i'm still upset with people in my life is is that simple lack of admittance not of any wrongdoing of their own but of the greater atrocity at hand people who gaslit and you know tried to manipulate on behalf of the greater agenda you know kind of unknowingly but actively shaming the unvaccinated because they thought that that was what they should do based on no morality at all based on what they were told by the authority without a second thought so i think it's time they give it a second thought and perhaps acknowledge that they had been misled at that point forgiveness becomes so easy but until then i'm not saying we shouldn't forgive you know we probably should but it's not as it's not as easy that's for damn sure but you know i'm going to keep working on it as well as 
keeping my heels dug in as far as no further. No further will we go in this direction. Not voluntarily. You can drag me, but that'll only prove my point more. So I'll stand right here, and if you want to come on by and chat, you know, we can have that chat. But all right, y'all. My phone's a dinging, and I'm out of shit to say. So I will talk to you next time. Uh, I know it's been quite a few solo shows, so I'm thinking we'll get an interview in here soon. Maybe sooner than you think. So, anyways, I'll talk to you soon. So I'm just going to do a little PS here where um, yeah, I'm texting Tess, Testimona. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to do another episode together soon. But she, she texted me kind of saying that um, she's kind of fired up right now and, and uh, a little fearful about the possibility of ongoing mandates allegations of new variants and um y'all it is hard to say y'all it's hard to say if we're kind of on the other side of the worst of it or not when i say we're at the precipice you know i guess i don't know how many times we're going to go round and round on this ride you know, maybe the only thing to do is get off it at the first opportunity like I said, kind of stand off to the side and hope others come along, you know, joining us in something a little more honest and, and fair. <sighs> I hope that wasn't like just repetitive, but again, you know, men need to fucking grow a pair, myself included. I continue to get kind of broken down by these gaslighting, you know, motherfuckers, y'all. You know, people I love, but who continue to act as if I'm the one that's been irrational. Despite all of the shit that they see, they still think I'm being too much, too extreme. You know, that I should just settle down and get over it and make peace. You know, but as I said last time, peace is kind of parasitic. What we want is progress and not in the left-leaning way that, that they use that word, but true progress, cultural progress, building our communities, building our food resilience, our local networks building our wealth. So I will not abide the gaslighting anymore. I really won't. You know, I'm making myself a little bit scarce to certain people because I don't need to explain myself or apologize for fighting. You know, I think they need to assess why they haven't been fighting. So, I don't know. That's probably all. <laughs> all right, I'll talk to you soon, y'all. Peace. <laughs>